Good morning, listeners, and I hope today finds you well. My name is Wilson McCoy with the College Hills Church of Christ here in Lebanon, Tennessee. And I want to say a big thank you for listening in to our weekly radio broadcast. This radio broadcast is one of several options that our church currently offers as ways for you to stay connected with the life of our community and hopefully can enrich and nourish your faith in some way. And so if you want to find out a bit more about those other on-campus and online offerings, then you can go to collegehills.org where you can find out a little bit more about our church, our various service offerings and classes that we're currently conducting, and hopefully can find out a little bit more about us in a way that could bring you to come and visit us when and if you can. Please know that you're always welcome to join us at 1401 Leeville Pike anytime you can make it. We have gatherings on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday evenings, and we would love for you to join us if and when you can make it. Please know that if you can't make it right now, that is totally okay. We really do appreciate you listening in to this weekly radio broadcast and joining us this way. If you haven't been journeying along with us over the last few weeks, what we're doing is a four-part Easter series looking at each of the different resurrection accounts in the four Gospels. And so week one, we looked at the Gospel of Mark and his ending. We looked at the Gospel of John and his ending two weeks ago. And then last week, we looked at Matthew's Gospel and his ending. And each week, we looked at the different stories that they tell and the unique perspectives that they offer on the resurrection and what that means for our lives today. And as we wrap up this four-part series, today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel is unique in that it tells a particular resurrection story that I think is important for us to pay attention to in Luke 24 that I think gives us needed insight for this unique season in which we find ourselves. And so if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 24. And this is going to be a bit longer of a passage, but I think it's important for us to hear the whole story that Luke shares. And so we'll be starting in verse 13 and we'll read until verse 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that he had indeed that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. God, we are grateful for this morning. We're grateful for this new week and the new possibilities that it holds in front of us. God, we are grateful for the resurrection, for the hope that it brings, and we ask that your life-giving word would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching that you would speak through me a word that is faithful and true to who you are and who you want us to be as your people. God, I pray that you would shape us and transform us more into the image of your Son, Jesus, in all that we do. By the power of your Spirit, we pray this in his name. Amen. Two weeks ago, I was talking with a friend who lives just outside of Portland, Oregon, and he told me a story that was shocking and intriguing. He told me that he was headed to the local McDonald's where he goes about once or twice a week to get a cup of coffee and have breakfast and start his morning before he heads into the office. But on this particular day, he ran into someone that he has run into many times before. He said that there was a local man in town who is a homeless individual who lives there in the town, and so on regular occasion, he will run into him at McDonald's. And over the years, my friend and him have developed a a friendship, and they always talk, and they will chat with each other. But on this particular day, the homeless man didn't come with as much to say as he did with some questions for my friend. He was wondering why things had slowed down so much in their city. He told the friend of mine that he was used to people driving a lot and being at McDonald's a lot, and he was used to just a high volume of traffic, but it had seemed like in the last couple of weeks, no one was anywhere to be found. And so my friend began to ask him if he had heard about what had been going on around the world and in this particular part of the country with this crisis known as the COVID-19 pandemic. 
And his friend, this homeless individual, looked at him with confused eyes and no clue as to what he was talking about. And he asked him, I have no idea what you're talking about. What is this pandemic that you're speaking of? And my friend was shocked. He was shocked that he was talking to someone who had no idea what was going on in the world. He was surprised and shocked that he was talking to someone who had no idea of the very thing that everyone seemed to be talking about. And so my friend began to explain to this man about what had been developing over the last several weeks and what had happened in the last couple of weeks here in America. Can you imagine what that must have been like for my friend? That you are in front of someone who has no idea about the most significant piece of news that everyone seems to be talking about. Can you imagine what it must have been like, what it must have felt like for my friend to stand there in front of this stranger who was also his friend and begin to explain to him the news that was sweeping the nation? If you can get a glimpse into that feeling that you might feel that my friend felt just a couple of weeks ago, then you might be able to catch a glimpse of the feeling that these two disciples felt when they ran into this stranger on the road to Emmaus. Because these two disciples, they find themselves trying to explain to this stranger what they had just experienced three days ago that everyone was talking about. Just three days earlier, these two individuals, along with this other group of men and women, had experienced one of the most heartbreaking tragedies that they ever could have experienced. Because their teacher and Lord, Jesus of Nazareth, had been handed over. He had been arrested and then crucified as a criminal on a cross and was buried just three days ago. And this event had happened in in the heartbeat of the religious world. It had happened in Jerusalem, and the news of this event was rippling out all across the region. And the reason why this was such a difficult thing for the disciples to experience is because they had hoped that this prophet would be the one to redeem Israel. And yet, they had seen him killed, and they watched him die just three days earlier. And when we see them, they are walking away from Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus, and it's almost as if they are symbolically walking away from all that they had hoped as they are 
processing with each other this grief and the events that they had just experienced. They're walking away from that grief of death. They are walking away in the midst of deep confusion of this individual who had died three days ago, but then this particular morning, some from their disciple group, these women had told them that that Jesus wasn't there, that he was alive. And so in grief and confusion, they walk away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they walk, they meet a stranger. A stranger comes near them. That's actually Jesus, but they don't know that it's Jesus. And he comes to walk beside them. The resurrected Lord is there, even though they didn't even realize it. And he asks them a couple of questions about what had happened, and that prompts them to begin explaining to them the events from three days ago and the events of that morning. But what begins as a story of disciples trying to explain to him soon becomes a story of this stranger explaining to them what had happened. Unexpectedly, after this stranger asks a couple of questions, he then becomes an explainer to them. He becomes an interpreter to them. Because after he calls them foolish, which is always a bit of a surprise when you meet a stranger and they call you foolish, there is this critique of them being slow of heart, and then the stranger begins to explain what they had seemed to miss. What they had seemed to miss about the Messiah in Scripture. And he begins to interpret to them. He has this moment of interpretation where he he goes back and he begins to explain to them that the Messiah must suffer and then experience glory. And this stranger goes all the way back to Moses and the prophets, and he begins to interpret to them all that is said in Scripture about him, the Messiah, that these two disciples still can't see. I mean, what an amazing moment this must have been. These two disciples are walking with Jesus, and yet they don't realize that it's Jesus. But Jesus reverses the roles because what became, what began as them explaining to him soon becomes a moment of him explaining to them. It's this role reversal of interpretation. It's this role reversal of explanation. But this story doesn't just stop with explanation and interpretation. Because very soon, this story becomes one about revelation. Because Jesus does not just stop with this interpretation. He doesn't just stop with a Bible study and and go on, but he also reveals himself to be the resurrected Lord to these two disciples. 
Jesus comes to do the very thing that he had done in the other Gospels as well, to reveal himself to the disciples. And that's why this story doesn't stop with a walk on a road, but it moves to a meal in a house. Because once they arrive to this particular village where they were going, it seems as though Jesus is going to keep walking. This stranger is going to keep walking. But the disciples invite him to stay. They urge him to stay because it's getting late. They show a stranger this act of hospitality and they welcome him in. And as with any good act of hospitality, they don't just give him a place to stay, but they also give him a portion of food to eat. And it's here. It's here at the table where the revelation happens, where stranger Jesus becomes the revealed, resurrected Jesus. And in verse 30 and 31, we witness this moment that Luke reports to us where he writes, when he was at the table with them, he, Jesus, took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Now, what's critical for us to see in this story of Revelation is not just that Jesus reveals himself to these disciples as the resurrected Lord, but how Jesus reveals himself to these disciples as the resurrected Lord. The disciples' eyes are opened at the table when Jesus breaks bread. He was made known to them in and through the breaking of the bread. Jesus reveals himself as resurrected Lord at a table with a loaf of bread. Jesus has conquered death. He has been raised in glory. And then that very Jesus decides to reveal himself as resurrected Lord at a table meal with a loaf of bread. Now, I'm not Jesus, but I have been known to have a Messiah complex before. And and when I do, when I think about that, this is not the way that I would do it. This is not the way that I would reveal myself to my disciples. I would pick something a bit more elaborate, a bit more stunning and startling. And yet, it's essential that we see how Jesus chooses to reveal himself, not how we think Jesus should reveal himself. The resurrected Lord reveals himself through the most ordinary and everyday kind of moment. The disciples are living in this post-Easter world and Jesus shows up to them in the most ordinary kind of moment. And so the disciples go they see Jesus just for a glimpse, and then they go and they, they tell the other disciples that Jesus really has risen from the dead. He really has been revealed to Peter. He really is alive. And from that moment on, their lives would never be the same. From this moment on, the table would never be the same. 
I mean, can you imagine what it was like for them the next time these two sat down at a table and broke bread? Can you imagine how every table after that, how every loaf of bread after that would never be the same again? Because the resurrected Lord had transformed for them the most ordinary of moment into an encounter with the divine. And so for all of these disciples, not just these two disciples, but for all of these disciples that they report to in that moment, this story of Cleopas and this other disciple would forever change their expectations of when and how they understood about when and how they could catch a glimpse of Jesus. And so for disciples in that moment, as they heard that story of Cleopas and the disciple, they would always move out into the world with a different set of lenses, a different set of eyes to see the world. And for disciples, not just in that moment, but also for disciples in This moment, in our day and age, for you and me, the story of these two disciples, of Cleopas and this other disciple, to whom Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of the bread, that should forever change our expectations of when and how and where we will get a glimpse of Jesus. Because their story reminds us that the resurrected Lord reveals Himself through the most ordinary and everyday kind of moments and in the most ordinary and everyday kind of places. This is the Jesus who reveals Himself as resurrected Lord to Mary in a garden next to a tomb by simply calling her name. This is the Jesus who reveals himself as the resurrected Lord to disciples as they go back to work fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And there on a beach, he simply tells them to cast their nets on the other side. And it's in that moment where they pull out hundreds of fish that they realize that they are standing in the presence of of the resurrected Lord. This is the Jesus who reveals himself as resurrected Lord to Cleopas and this other disciple at a table breaking bread in a house in a village a few miles away from Jerusalem. In this post-Easter world that those disciples lived in, the resurrected Lord shows up to them in the most ordinary of ways, in the most ordinary of spaces, and in the most ordinary of places. And that same resurrected Lord shows up to us in those same kinds of places, in those same kinds of spaces and ways in the here and now, as we continue to live in this post-Easter world. Where do you expect to see Jesus? Where do you expect to get a glimpse of the divine? 
in our post-Easter world that we live in, what are your expectations of where and how and when you'll catch a glimpse of Jesus? One thing I've noticed about this COVID crisis is that many of my friends, and myself included, have observed how different our lives feel right now. And when we talk about how different our lives feel, so often we talk about how ordinary our lives seem. Because of the limits and restrictions that are placed on so much of our days, we seem to talk most about pretty basic and ordinary things. A lot of things have been removed, and it has left us with a lot of everyday, ordinary kinds of experiences. Grocery runs, family walks, meals at home, playing in the yard, working from an office at home, doing a craft project, finally getting to that to-do list that you've been meaning to do around the house, trying out a new recipe in the kitchen. And what's really interesting is a lot of the individuals I have talked to have even on occasion complained a bit and griped a bit about being bored or wishing that things would get back to normal because right now, for them, days can feel so dull. And we can easily be lulled into just going through these motions that feel ordinary. And it's because of of that very reality that I think we need this reminder from the road to Emmaus. We need to remember that that in the most ordinary and unexpected of ways, Jesus shows up. And because we feel like so much of our day right now is ordinary, we, we should live not seeing that as an obstacle, but seeing those moments as real opportunities to see Jesus in fresh ways. Because that's what Easter does for us. It gives us new eyes to see our lives with. And we desperately need those eyes in this unique season of our lives. Because Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. And Jesus is still revealing Himself. He is still revealing Himself indeed. Jesus is still giving us glimpses of the divine. He is giving us glimpses of the divine indeed. And so the question for us is, will we let our eyes be open so that we can get a glimpse in ways that we may think are ordinary and unexpected And yet those are the very places, the very spaces, the very ways in which Jesus will continue to reveal himself. Amen.